Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here today. For those of you who, of you who are here for the first time, I, I welcome you. Uh, I, I pray that you will stay after the service where we have a time of fellowship every, every Sunday here. And, of course, yes. And so, uh, members of our church, make sure you welcome our guests. If you notice that they're here for their, their first-timer or second-timer, or even here for the third time, make sure you feel, make them feel at home and welcome. Amen. This is a, our church is, is not, it's, it's not just, you know, a, an event where you come every Sunday, Sunday. It's a family gathering. It's a, it's, it's the family of God gathering together. Think, think of this as a reunion. Amen. A reunion of, 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 of the followers of Christ. Let, let us pray one more time as I, as I, as I pray, uh, preach the, head to the message. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our midst, Lord. We acknowledge you that you are with us, Lord. Lord, we all glory, honor, and praise be to you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, Lord God, in this world, Lord God. And Lord, thank you for using the church, using us, and using your people, using the church as a whole, O oh God, around the world, O oh God, the universal church, Lord God, the, the, the church, the body of Christ, in reaching out into this world, O oh God. Lord God, people of all ages, tribe, tongue, nation, O oh God, uh, Lord, who are part of your body, serving you, Lord God. Lord, allow us to, to do our part here in Austin, O oh God, as a, as a local church here in Austin, Lord, River Life Church, O oh God, to obey you, to fulfill your will, O oh God, of preaching your word, O oh God, to be, to be bearers of the light of Jesus Christ in this, in this community, Lord God. Lord, you ask us to let our light so shine before men, O oh God, and let me see your glory, Lord. Let it be so, so God, in our lives that, that, that we shine your light, Lord Jesus. We shine your glory, O oh God, into this community, O oh God, we're in, Lord. Lord, because a real hope, real change, and, and eternity with you, Lord, can only happen through the gospel, O oh God. And we are the bearers of that good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it is because of him we are here today, Lord. It is because in his name and honor, O oh God, that we worship you and, on, and, and even gather here today, Lord. Lord, we need your spirit, Lord, to work in our hearts and work through me, Lord. Lord, you know how incapable I am, Lord. You know that, Lord, I'm, I'm nothing here, O oh God. I, have, don't, I don't have the credentials, ability, or skill to do this, Lord. I don't have anything to show or to, to give to these people, O oh God. And it's only... You that I depend, Lord, that you'll be the one to speak. You will be the one to reveal your will through, through my heart and my heart, mind and my lips, O oh God. And Lord, I also ask you to touch every heart by your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, you speak personal messages to each one, Lord. I know that there are things you want to say to each one here today, Lord. And, Lord, speak to them, Lord, in a personal way uh, that will, Lord, address whatever situation, whatever thing that's going on in their life, O oh God. And Lord, I pray also that you create in us a clean heart, a holy heart, Lord, that is honorable and pleasing before you. We want to be vessels of honor, O oh God. We want to be vessels that you can use, O oh God, and, and that you can work through, O oh God. So Lord, purify our hearts. Forgive us for any kind of sin we have done, Lord, whether it's in our, in our thoughts or actions or the way we treat other people, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Give us a repentant, a humble heart, Lord. That, that, that the glory and honor only goes to, to us, Lord. Lord, uh, thank you for this time of worship, Lord. 
And let us even today, Lord God, revive our hearts if our hearts are pulled towards you. Lord, thank you. We all glory and praise be to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can you go to the first slide, Jimmy, of my sermon? Just go to the first slide. Um, so today, we're continuing in the book of Acts. And, and uh, okay. Let me go back to that passage first. Before I head to the first, uh, to the, uh, the title slide. Uh, so let me remind you with, with this. You know, we have this idea that the church... It's just a place or a gathering that you go to every Sunday, an assembly of people. This is really what most people think. It's just a building, a place where people go to each Sunday. But, but I want you to think beyond that because the church is much, much more than this gathering. Much more than a place to go to. Much more than an, an organization or whatever your idea of a church is. The church is God's masterpiece. It is God's ultimate plan. For the universe, for this world, ultimate plan. That was the reason why Jesus died on the cross. That was the reason why the Son of God came into the world to establish what is called the church. Did you know that? The death of Jesus Christ on the cross was only a means to an end. His resurrection is also a means to an end. And that end in mind, in the mind and in the heart of Jesus is to establish what is called the church, his body, his people. The Bible says the church is God's holy nation. It's actually a race of people. Did you know that? That the church is a nation, a race of people. It's not an just an organization or a building or whatever you think of churches. It's way more than that. And it is through the church that God is working in this world. If there's one thing God is working through in this world, it's not through your boss. It's not through your job. It's not through your whatever uh, other situation you have in life. He is working through the church. Basically, the church is God's people. There's no other place in the world, no other organization, no other entity in the world that belongs to God. Think about that. What entity in the world that belongs to God, that God owns in this world? The government? No. Uh, whatever nonprofit organization? No. It's only the church. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about the church, that, that God's intent that now, grand words, he said, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying that the intent of God through the church, meaning the church, it is a revelation of God's amazing wisdom, manifold wisdom. And, and it is made known not just to the human humanity, not just to the people of the earth, it is also made known to all the rulers in the heavenly places, meaning angels, demons, and even other beings, spiritual beings. And the reason why I want to introduce this in relation to our book, to the book of Acts, is because God 
has already made a way. It's here now, today, for him to be able to reach to all the nations in the world. Did you know that God ignored other nations for a long time? God only chose one nation to reveal himself. One nation. His, the Bible calls the nation, this nation his inheritance, his chosen people. And that is the nation of Israel. God chose to reveal himself not to the United States of America, not to Egypt, not to the Philippines, not to any other nation. That is not God's plan. His plan was to reveal himself to a specific nation, a specific group of people that came from Abraham, and that is Israel. And out of the nation of Israel, he calls the nation of Israel his portion in Deuteronomy 32, his portion. You know, he gave the nations to some other beings, something we cannot talk about today, but other nations were not under the control of God. And God said, I'm going to allocate myself, a, a nation, a people for myself. And for a long time, God focused on this nation, focused on these people, giving his laws, giving everything they need to know about God, while the rest of the nations of the earth are in darkness, lost. And that's the reason why every nation in the world where religion comes from those nations. Think of every religion that came out on every other nation. Those are all lies. Those are false religions. Because God did not speak to any one of them. Meaning the only thing that came from the creator of heaven and earth, and the only thing that we can trust in terms of who God is and how he revealed himself to us and what he revealed himself to humanity is through what was revealed to the nation of Israel. And the rest of the world is in darkness. So, so think of any religion that came out of Middle East, Russia, the Philippines during those years. America didn't exist yet back then. I, even the Philippines. I don't know. There wasn't, there's people back then thousands of years ago. Think about this. Those religions, they don't know about God. They're just walking in darkness. Oh, I'm going to believe in this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is what they believe. But they don't really know what they believe. The Romans, the Greeks... They worship different kinds of stuff, but what they believe is, is, is nothing. They don't know about what they believe. They just, they're just walking in darkness trying to figure things out. And this is the situation of the nations. But now, today, since the time of Christ, God has opened the door for him to go to the nations and reveal himself to the nations. And it is through Jesus Christ and through the body of Christ, which is the church. And that's why the, 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 the Great Commission makes it clear that you are to preach the gospel to all nations. Starting with Jerusalem, of course, because Jerusalem is at the heart of Israel, the heart of the, Jew, of, the, of the Jewish nation. Starting with Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, meaning the province around it, then to the ends of the earth, which includes all of you and all of us. So this is, the, this is the situation we are in now. Because God is now getting out from Israel, out of the nation of Israel, and now going through the different nations. And we are part of this work. That's why we are there are Christians in the U.S. and here right now in Austin because of what God did 2,000 years ago through, through the apostles. And the gospel finally reached 
to us. So this is the situation that Paul is going to talk about later on so that you'll understand uh, this, this, this passage better. So, so we're, we're still in the book of Acts. We're on the last part of Acts 17. We've been working through the book of Acts for, for almost a year now, I guess. So it's been, and we're still on chapter 17. I think we spent three weeks on 17 alone. So now uh, we're about to end chapter 17. And we're going to look at Paul in Athens. He went to Athens. So entitled, entitled this message today, Making Known the Unknown God. And it's, it's the entire, uh, uh, you know, last, the second half or last half of, uh, of Acts 17, which is from verse 16 to 34. So Renel just read the passage earlier. Okay, just to sort of recap, why is Paul in Athens? Why is Paul in Athens? What was the situation? So Paul was given, the, uh, was commanded by the Holy Spirit, by God himself to, to go and go visit these places, uh, you know, his uh, second missionary journey. And he went to the cities, and, and recent, in the recent past, he went to, uh, to, to uh, Philippi, established a church there, preached the gospel to a girl, a lady named uh, Lydia. Then after Philippi, he went to, uh, he skipped those two cities, Amphipolis and Apollonia. Then he went to Thessalonica and, and preached again the gospel there among the Jews and Gentiles, but he was rejected there. There was hostility in Thessalonica that that Paul had to leave quickly and leave at night because people wanted to, you know, kill him or do something bad. And then he left Timothy and Luke in those places. He left Luke in Philippi. He left Timothy in, in Thessalonica, which we assume that they, they were continually, uh, you know, ministering to the people uh, with the word of God because Paul and Silas had to leave. And finally, Paul went to Berea. And in Berea, it was different that's why we want to be like Berea because they were excited for the Bible. They were excited, sorry, they were excited for the, for the preaching of Jesus Christ and his word. Uh, the Jews themselves, they searched the scripture. They wanted to know more. They wanted to understand the word of God and, and the prophecies and Jesus himself. So Paul stayed in Berea. But the problem is the people in Thessalonica who didn't like Paul went to Berea and caused trouble there again. And so Paul... Again, he's faced with this mob of people that didn't like him. And he had to leave again. And so what he did is he went by, the, through the, by sea and went to the city of Athens to escape those mob. Those bad people who's trying to cause trouble. And what he did, he left Silas in Berea. And at this point in time, when Paul was in Athens, he, uh, Timothy, decided to go to Berea as well. So you, you see the setup on where his teammates are. Luke was still in Philippi. Timothy and, Sil and Silas now are in Berea. And Paul was alone in Athens. So this is where we find Paul now in chapter 17 in Athens. So let me read to you. The, the first thing that I want you to know about the Apostle Paul in Athens, and what we're going to do today is we're going to learn how did Paul make God known? What, what is his method? What is his technique in making the God known, our God, the God of the creator of heaven and earth, known to the world, known to the Athenians especially. Because then to the Athenians, the people in Athens, the God of heaven, the God who created the universe is unknown to them. They don't know him. And they worship all these idols. And Paul was there to reveal this God. 
That's unknown to the Athenians. And the first thing that Paul had in part in being able to reveal the, the God who created heaven and earth is a heart for con- and a concern for the loss. He had a concern for the loss. So on your, on your program, there are blank pa- uh, uh, blanks at the second page there and different uh, statements. So that's the first answer there so that you can follow along with me and, and be engaged as well. So I hope all of you have a program. Uh, David here does not have a program, Rella. And make sure they have a copy. And Dean as well. And there are pens. Uh, that's the reason why we have pens on the table for these kinds of things. So, okay. So first thing we need to know when you want to share God's word to, 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 to the lost, to those who don't know Jesus Christ, your heart must have a concern for the loss. So let me read to you Acts 16, uh, 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city. city was full of idols. So, so Paul was distressed when he saw that Athens was full of idols. Okay. The city of Athens was the center of Greek culture. It was the center of Greek education and art. And it was a highly developed city even in Paul's day. So there are many attractions in Athens. There are, there are many places to go, right? If you go to a new city, if you go to New York, I know many years ago we went to the East Coast for the first time. You know, you're just excited. There's so much to look at. Like, oh, oh that's the Statue of Liberty. Oh, wow, that's the Empire State Building. And, you know, you, you, you really are excited to see when, when, we, when we moved to the U.S., we, were, we moved to Idaho. And so that was the first city we, we live in. And, and yeah, Idaho, yeah. And it felt it was in the middle of nowhere. But when the first time we went to San Francisco and, and New York, like you look at the Golden Gate Bridge, you realize, oh, now we're in America. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're in America now. <laughs> because, you know, you see those icons on, I remember growing up, there was this notebook and there's a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge. In fact, the notebook was called Golden Gate. It was just a, you know, a, a pad notebook that you have for, for grade school. And now you see the actual thing. Wow. Yeah. This is America. <laughs> so, so Paul went to Athens. It's probably, I don't know if it's his first time. But you know, Paul was not interested in sightseeing. He didn't go there to just do tours or, 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 or look at the arts. He didn't, took time to, he didn't take time to admire, uh, you know, the nice statues and marble statues of, of, you know, images of Zeus, Athena. By the way, the second one there is Athena. She's the patron saint or patron god. <laughs> Of, of, of Athens, now you know where the, where the saints came, come from. That's the idea of where the saints come from. It comes from the Greeks and the Romans. That's why you have saints today from the Catholic Church. Uh, you got Aris, the god of war, censored a bit. Okay? And I don't have Poseidon there. And uh, the last one is Artemis. So these are the things that Paul had during his time, you know, looking at these things. But you know, did Paul did not, did not admire these things. He didn't take selfies with his things. You know. What did he feel when he saw these things in Athens? He was distressed. He was distressed. Why? Because for us today, they look like works of art. Back then, these are idols. These are, peop- these are you know, images that people worship back then. They rub their, their handkerchiefs. They kiss the feet of these things. 
They hug these things, they pray to these things, and they even build temple for these things. And Paul, when you look at the temples and we look at these things, there's nothing about appreciation or whatever art that these people did. Paul's biggest concern is for the souls of those in Athens. That he was distressed that there are many idol worshippers in Athens. Now here's the question for you. Are you also in the same situation? Do we have the same heart when it comes to lost people? Are you distressed that there are many lost people in Austin? Are you distressed that there are many people lost in the state of Texas or even in, the, in this country? And the reason why this is very important is because if you're not distressed, if you are not grieved, in another translation it uses the word grieve. If you're not grieved for people who are lost, who are not believers in Jesus Christ, and, the, and what's going to happen is you're not going to pray for those people. You're not going to care for the lost. You're not going to share the gospel to the lost because you think that they're going to be okay. But Paul didn't think like that. For him, lost people was not okay. For him, lost people was a problem, was a concern. It is something that he, he grieved. And, and, and here's the reality. If a person is without Christ, he will be lost for eternity in a place that's without God, without goodness, without beauty. He will be eternally dead without, without God in his life, both in this life and in eternity. And so these people who are idolaters, they're in trouble. People in Austin who does, don't have Christ in their lives, they're going to be in trouble. Listen to this passage, and we read this during our uh, young adult gathering last, last uh, uh, Thursday. Listen to those words. But this is, by the way, Jesus speaking here. Think about the hard, hard words, but this is Jesus speaking. He said, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ and God, uh, <coughs> he says, the vile, the murderers, sexually immoral, okay, they're bad people. Those who practice magic arts, yeah, okay, they're bad people. Idolaters, mm, I'm not an idolater. The people in Athens are idolaters. Idolaters, mm, I'll show you later that, that people without Jesus are ad all idolaters. And okay, you're not, you don't do magic arts, you don't watch Harry Potter, you're a good person. Uh, you don't, uh, you're not sexual anymore, you're, you didn't kill anyone, okay. But listen to the last one, all liars. Okay, I'm, I'm, I think I'm part of that. <laughs> and listen to that, he said, all these people listed here and more, that's just, that's not a comprehensive list, by the way, that's just a sample. This is Jesus saying, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You don't want that to happen to you. You don't want that to happen to anyone. Agree? That's why we should be grieved. We should be distressed for lost people. We should be grieved and distressed for a family member who is lost and without Jesus Christ, who is not a believer of Jesus, because that is their eternal destiny. That's why if somebody tells me, how oh, uh, uh, do a funeral service for someone who just, who, who died and he's not a believer in Christ, either I will not do it, 
or I'm going to have a hard time. Because I can never say to the family that your son or your daughter is rest in peace. Because that's a lie. Because I know 100% if a person dies without Jesus Christ, he is in hell. And, and that's a problem. If I'm going to be in a funeral service, if I'm going to preach there, and the guy is not a believer, can I say to the family, I'm sorry to say, family, that your son, your daughter, he's in hell right now. <laughs> it's a hard thing to say, right? And I would rather do it. I will, because I'll be lying up there. Did you know that those RIP in cemeteries, and on, 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 you see it on your own crosses, there's rip, rest in peace. That's a lie. Because a person is without, without Jesus Christ. He is suffering. He doesn't have peace. He's going to suffer for the rest of eternity without end. And that's the truth. That's why you should be grieved for lost people. And if you say that people today are not idol worshippers, hmm. there are lots of idol worshippers today. People worship pleasure today. They worship entertainment today. People worship achievement, success, money. And, and the biggest idol in our generation is called the God of me. The God of me, my happiness, my enjoyment, my ambition, my pleasure, my savings, my retirement. You know what God said to a person who said, my, 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 my? <laughs> Remember that rich man? Jesus said, today your life will be required of you. And the person died. Because sin, is the essence of sin is my and I. It is the self-centered life, basically. That's what sin is. So let us pray quickly and ask God's blessing for giving us that burden for the loss. Father God, I ask you tonight, Lord, this afternoon, that you... Give every believer here who is sitting here today, even listening online, Lord, change our heart and give us a burden for lost people, Lord. That we will have the same heart as the Apostle Paul, Lord, who grieve for lost people, Lord God, for those who are headed to eternity without Jesus. Because, Lord, when we feel the grief and, 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 and Lord, and distress, Lord, for lost people, Lord, this is... Something we don't normally ask, Lord, but we're asking that we'll be distressed, oh God. That we'll be distressed for the, for the lives of those who are lost. So that we will not cease asking for you to save those people, Lord. To bring them to the knowledge of the truth. To bring them to repentance, oh God. And that they will understand the gospel and surrender their lives to Jesus. We will not cease, we will not end to pray and ask. For the salvation of Austin, oh God. For the salvation of our families, oh God. For the salvation of our classmates in school, oh God. For the salvation of our friends at work, oh God. For the salvation of our neighborhood, oh God. Oh Lord, forgive us if we are so apathetic. We don't care. No, we don't really have, we don't have any desire to help those people and bring knowledge of the truth, to help them understand your word. Forgive us, Lord. Change us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Next thing Paul did, let's read this. What he did, he, he constructed, he built bridges with respect, meaning friendly bridges. And I'm going to explain what it means. Uh, let's, let's read verse 17 to 21 this time. 
From six, so now Paul, he was distressed because of the situation in, in Athens. And so he, he began to do something about it. You know, a lot of people, they feel that, 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 that somebody needs to hear Jesus Christ as their Savior, share the gospel. They need to share this gospel. But many of us, we don't do anything about it. But Paul did something. So what he did, he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day to day with those who happened to be there. And a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him, began to argue with him. And some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? They called Paul a babbler. I'm going to explain that bit, what that word means. It's, it's not a good word. And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods, talking about a foreign god. Of course, Jesus was unknown to them, so they think Jesus was a, just another foreign god. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, and they said to him, may we know what this new teaching that you are, you are, that you are presenting and you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. And we, we like to know what they mean. So they began, they, they were interested. But for the wrong reasons. 21. And, and just a commentary. Look, put this commentary there. It's a bit funny. He said, all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there, they spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. I don't know, you still do that today? You don't do anything all day? You just wanted to hear something new, maybe through Facebook, like, what's going on with this guy? What's going on with this guy? I think some of us still do that today, right? Do nothing all day and just wanted to find out what's new, what's new, what's going on. Okay, so that is the situation now in Athens. But you know what Paul did? He tried to build a bridge. First, he tried to build a bridge with... The Jews. So he went to the, to, to the synagogue and, and found a common ground with the Jews. And remember, Paul's common ground with the Jews is the Tanakh. It is the, our Old Testament. He used the Old Testament, our Old Testament, basically the, you know, the Jews, doesn't, don't, they don't like to be, their book to be called the Old Testament. <laughs> so, so let's just call them, it's the, the Tanakh. It is the combination of the Torah the prophet, prophetic book and the historical histo history book uh, in the old, that we find in the Old Testament. That was the common ground. So what did Paul do with the Jews? How did he bridge with the Jews? He showed the Jews that this Jesus of Nazareth matches with the prophecies. Because in the prophecies, hundreds of years before Jesus, it says that the Messiah is going to live, die, and rise again. And, and Paul has shown the Jews that this person from Nazareth, his name is Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. So, so, so some Jews believe, of course. Some did not, did not believe. So that's how Paul connected with the Jews. But here comes another situation. Uh, he went to the marketplace... And, of course, he went to the synagogue first. Then, second, he went to the marketplace. And, of course, in the marketplace of Athens, it's a combination of different people from different walks of life, different, different religious background. And, and he met with some people 
uh, who come from a, an Epicurean and Stoic background. Now, here's the challenge for Paul here. Can Paul share the Old Testament, the Tanakh, to these people? Can Paul use the Tanakh or the Old Testament to these people? Nope. Nope. No, why? Because they don't know what the Old Testament is. They don't know the Tanakh. Only the Jews knows about it. So there's no common ground when it comes to Scripture. It's like sharing the gospel with someone in the street and you just say right away, Hey, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, will that work? It's okay if that person knows the Bible. But if the person doesn't know the Bible, that, that will not work. Because there's no common ground. You have to start with a, something common that people understand. And so Paul met with his people and, and, and in the marketplace. And by the way, the Epicureans, what's interesting about them is that to them, the supreme good is your happiness. It's your happiness. That's a supreme good for them. Happiness is the highest thing for them. They worship the God eventually. Uh, you know, the Epicureans degraded and they began to worship the God of pleasure and self-gratification. God of pleasure and self-gratification. Eventually, Epicureans became uh, very sensual in their belief system in how they live. Sexually sen sensual. Uh, sex sexual in a way. Uh, maybe sensual and sex, sex sensuality and sexuality they probably mean the same thing. But, but that kind of thing. And their mindset is, I deserve to be happy as long as I don't hurt anyone. I, I deserve to do this. You know, there are Epicureans today. And Paul dealt with these people. Also, there are Stoics. And, 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 and the Stoics, uh, the Stoics is different. They value self-sufficiency, independence. They, they worship the pantheon of gods. You know, the different gods, the Greek gods, Zeus, Athena, they worship, they worship this, this, this gods. They try to suppress emotion, intense emotion, unmoved by joy, unmoved by, by grief. In time, Stoicism or being a Stoic degraded into being prideful about yourself. Self-worship, me-worship. I want to improve my life. I want to be a better person. I want my career to be the best career. My way, I want to build this, build that, start my own business, start my thing, start whatever I want to do. I want to be successful. I want to be rich. You know, the Epicureans, their song is a song by Sheryl Crow. If it makes you happy. And, and of course, Stoics, you know the song, older people here. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. So that's, those are their songs. So if you, if you like, I did it my way, you're, you're a stoic. <laughs> if it makes you happy, you're, you're a Picurian. <laughs> now, what did Paul do? He tried to connect and engage with his people. You know, when Paul presented the gospel, when Paul, sorry, back here. When he presented the gospel, you know, they were not really interested in the gospel message. They were just interested because this was a new idea. This was something new. They never heard before. And so because of their interest of, of wanting to know this, listen to this new idea, what they did is they took Paul to the Areopagus. And by the way, Areopagus simply means the hill of Aris. You remember one of the gods, the god of war? 
Aris. So, so that's the hill dedicated to that god, that, that, that idol, uh, Aris, Hill of Aris, or another name for that is Mars Hill. And, and, and that's where the people gather. And, and Areopagus is not just a place, it was a council. It was a group of people who are the custodians of the teachings in Athens. They, they're the ones who introduce new religions to Athens. They're the people who bring foreign gods to Athens. Because Athens, Athenians and Greeks, they worship a pantheon of gods. They worship a lot of different kinds of gods. And, 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 and what, whenever there's a new god that's going to come up, they want to add it to their repertoire. They want to make sure that, okay, there's a new god coming out of Egypt or a new god coming out of China. I want to, I want to add you to our list of gods. But the thing is, they're so worried, they're so superstitious and religious that they need to make sure that they don't miss any god. So they create an, another altar that doesn't have anything in there. I don't have the picture, but it's basically an altar that does not have any image. Meaning, parang bato lang na flat lang na ganun. Then, it's called the altar to the unknown god. Because they want to make sure that they don't miss any other god. <laughs> because they, they want to worship all the gods in the world, right? They're concerned that they, they don't want to skip some, some god. Makamagalit yung god na skip nila, di ba? Well, that God will be angry because you, you didn't worship me. So, so it's acceptable for the Athenians to listen to new ideas. That's why they brought Paul to the Areopagus. Unfortunately, the Athenians were very proud of their culture that they called Paul a babbler. You know, a babbler is someone who, uh, who just grabs scraps of idea ideas from some, some other places and try to come up with his own idea from, from different scraps. But he has no originality. He does not really, really believe in what he says. He's just, he's just trying to say something to look smart, to look intelligent. But, but, but he's not really interested. He's not really uh, somebody who's really uh, into what he's teaching. And, and that's a very bad word, a derogatory word, when they called Paul a, a babbler. And, and he was, he's what he's teaching from, from the Athenian's perspective. It doesn't, it's irrelevant. It's not very significant because they think that we are smart, we're cultured, and this man, oh, he's nothing. But you know, that's how the world today looks at Christians. I, I would like to show to you this passage. Uh, Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians 4.13, talking about us believers, talking about himself. He said, when we were slandered, we answered kindly. Listen to his words. He said, we have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world right up to this moment. Wow. Paul describes us Christians, us, that's you and me, that we are the garbage of this world. And that is true. We are the scum of the earth. I always remind myself of this sometimes, this passage, because, because you know, people treat Christians like garbage and scum. You know, they laugh at us saying that you believe in creation, you, live in, you believe in ancient myths, you're, you're old school, you're old style. You know, we're so sophisticated, we believe in evolution, we believe in science. You know, science is a god, by the way, in our culture today. Science said so. Well, science said, said this. Like, it's like another God. <laughs> it's like another person. Um, 
And so they, they looked down on Christians and we, they, we are treated, they were treated, Paul was treated like the scum of the earth. But you know, even though we are being treated as scum of this earth, being, being ridiculed, being, being laughed at, let's not stop sharing the gospel because you have the message that will save them. And you know, we need to forgive people who treat us this way because they don't know what they're doing. People who believe in evolution, they don't really know that it is, it's false. It's not true. They don't have any idea that they're, what they're believing is a lie. And they're being sold to it uh, as, a tr as truth, but it's totally a lie. And many other things, by the way. And if you want to know what I think, we can talk afterwards. But there are many lies that the world believes, and they don't know what they're doing. So as Christians, we need to keep on sharing the truth, even though we are treated like garbage, just like Paul here. And for him, it was an opportunity because he was brought to the Areopagus. And you know, even though he was, he was ridiculed, he was, he was like the scum of the earth, a garb, treated like garbage there, but they wanted to hear this new idea, it became a platform for him to preach the gospel to the people in, our, in the Areopagus. It was still a blessing. It was still a blessing. Because he, he was able to share the gospel, even though treated badly. So don't worry if you're treated like scum, right? I, I don't know. Have you heard this verse before? Or this is the first time you heard this verse? That we are the scum of the world. Like think of you're cleaning your bathroom and there's a scum there. <laughs> That's like us. But, 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 but let us be proud of it. Because we are scum for Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus was treated like scum. He was spat up. He was ridiculed. He was treated badly. And we glory in, in our sufferings for the sake of Christ. Amen. It's something that we will be joyful because, you know, we're going to suffer in this life. We're going to be treated like garbage. But we are prince and princess of God in heaven. We are the daughters of the king in heaven. So, so let's just be okay with that in this world. But, you know, I know there are times you need justice, right? But... But if you can be patient and just say, okay, I'm going to forgive you, then do it, Don't, you know, for the sake of the gospel. Third, convey what is true about God. And, and, and I'm going to go through this quickly. Uh, this is verse 22 to, 34, uh, to 28. So the next set of verses. So in verse 24, Paul began, so now that he had a connection with, he, had a, he was able to bridge now, with the Athenians, he had a platform. He was able to connect with them. He now began to reveal that what is true about God. And, and, and his strategy here, his, his strategy was not to use scripture, but to use common knowledge. And even use the poets, uh, of the Greek poets. Because this is something that the Greeks understand. So when you share the gospel with people outside of the church who don't have any Christian background, you start with something that they know. You cannot go ahead and say, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that gave his only begotten son. Well, you, I mean, there are times you can do that. But sometimes that will not work. You have to start where they are and bridge that way. So what he did is he, he described God based on what they know. So this is his common ground. He told them, uh, let me just read this so that you'll see what, what I'm trying to say. Told them, Paul then stood in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, see that in every way you are religious. Is that true? Yes. 
They were superstitious and religious. They liked to worship a pantheon of gods. And Paul said, as far as us, for, for us, I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship. So he was looking at all the Zeus and Athena and, and all these uh, this, this idols. I even found an altar with this inscription, the unto an unknown God. So it was an empty altar. So you are ignorant of this very thing you worship. True, right? That's the reason why they, they put the word unknown God because they didn't know what it is. What it is. What is this unknown God? So, so he said, I know you're ignorant of this. They're not going to say no to that. They said, yeah, we're ignorant of that. We don't know that unknown God. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Wow. <laughs> Good strategy, right? There's a God that you don't know. That is the God I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and they cannot say no to that. Then he began to reveal who God is. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's saying, the God who made the universe does not live in these temples. This, that, what is, and that, maybe at that point, Athenians are going to say, mm, okay, I'm not sure about that. Then, then, then he said, he is not served by human hands. The God who created the universe is not served by our hands. We think that we can add something to God? No. We cannot add anything to Him. He needed, as if He needed anything. Rather, He Himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, He made all nations. So He said, this God who created heavens made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history. Wow. The duration of a nation is also marked out by God, not just the borders, but the duration. That's why there's no, there's no Persian Empire right now, or there's no Babylonian Empire right now, because God only allowed them to live for a time. Today, we have the United States, right? But who knows? Five years from now, ten years from now, this country is going to be gone. We don't know, right? Or I hope not, but maybe 50 years in the future. Because countries exist and disappear, and that's part of God's plan. Egypt is amazing. It's still alive. It still exists until this point. It's been around for a long time. And he appointed the times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they should seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. So he did all this so that people would perhaps find him. The truth, that though he is not far from any of us, in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your poets have said. We are his offspring. So, so Paul Lastly, not only that he revealed what is true about God, but he confronted their false belief with gentleness. Verse 29. Okay, let me read this passage first. We, this was our passage during the camp. 
One of our responsibilities as Christians, and this is commanded by God for all of us, is to demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself against the knowledge of God. We are to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The key word there is, if there's a lie out there, and that's being promoted by the world, that's why I emphasize evolution, because it's a lie, we have to crush it. We have to demolish that. We cannot let it exist in our culture, even in our church. And, and I'm using that as an example because it's very common. There's a lot of other things that are lies out there that's being promoted to our, in our schools. And, and, and so, and by the way, uh, if, you, if you're first here for the first time, we had an extensive discussion of this during our camp. So I'm not talking here not because out of just because I'm emotionally against it. There's a scientific evidence of why it's true. It's very strong. And there's zero evidence for evolution, by the way. If you read scientific books, there's none. There's none. And, and overwhelming evidence that it's not true. All the experiments and scientific discoveries disprove evolution uh, 100%. So we'll get there if you want to know more. Uh, then we are to demolish those kinds of argument. And so, so Paul, listen to what Paul, how he demolished the Athenians. He said, verse 29, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, using their own information, using their, what, what they know, the information they know, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. He basically crushed them in saying, you think those images of Zeus and Athena are gods? God is not made of gold or silver or stone. He does not even live in temples. And he, not only that, he crushed the Epicureans. He said the, in, in verse 24, he said, God, very subtle, very gentle. You thought that it was, it was just a normal statement, but he actually confronted them and crushed their beliefs. But in a gentle and subtle way that they, didn't, they were not aware of it fully. The God who made the world and everything in it, this is verse 24, the Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as, ne as he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everything life, breath, and, and everything else. In this case, he, he actually crushed here is, was the, the Stoics. Because the, the Stoics, they believe in the pantheon of gods and saying, these gods, they're not really gods. Because God does not live in temples. And on, the, on 26, he dealt with the Epicureans. He said, one man, he made all nations and that they should inhabit the whole earth, mark out their appointed times. We read this passage earlier. Because the Epicureans believe in chance life, meaning everything is, happens by chance. That whatever happened, you know, it's just by chance. And, 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 you know, the idea of evolution actually has some connection with this because evolution relies on chance. And the Epicureans, they just rely on chance circumstance. Paul is saying, God determines time and boundaries. He, he determines things. God ordains history. Nothing happens by chance in the eyes of God. Nothing. And so... And so, in those verses, he, he crushed their belief in idolatry. He crushed the Epicureans. Uh, he confronted their belief and, and also the, 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 the Stoics as well. And lastly, Paul not only did all this, this was the most important part and it must always lead to this. So when you share the gospel with someone, you must come to this point of connecting them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is the last 
I'm just going to read to you in closing. Verse uh, 30 and towards the end. In verse 30, he said, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now He commanded all people everywhere to repent. Okay, going back, let me go back to verse 29 so that, so that you'll see the connection. Because Verse 29, let, let me go back to verse 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. And he's saying, those idols are not God. And, 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 the, and the nations and the people of the world has been doing, has been doing this, or they've been doing this for many, many centuries. But God is saying, he's saying here, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. What he's saying here is that in the past, God did not reveal his will to the nations. It was hidden. And, and, and God, because people of the world, they were ignorant of this. God was just sort of overlooked their sins. He says they overlooked such ignorance. But now, He is now coming to the nation, nations through Jesus Christ. And He commands all people to repent. For He has set a day when He will judge the world with justice by a man that He has appointed. He's now introducing Jesus to the Athenians. That eventually, you Athenians, you're going to meet this guy. And he's going to judge you. He's going to judge you. And he has given proof to this to everyone who's raising, by raising him from the dead. He's saying, this Jesus is proved, has, has given proofs that he is the son of God, that he's going to be the, he's the Messiah. And he's the one who's going to judge eventually because he didn't only die, he rose again from the grave. Talking about the resurrection. Isn't it amazing how he's going to the gospel? Very, very subtle, but he's now going towards introducing Jesus. And by the way, that's already introducing Jesus and the gospel here. He's now preaching the gospel. Okay. And, and that's why we need to share the gospel because Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And... In closing, in closing, those who heard Paul in verse 32, some believe. He said, we want to hear of this subject. Then Paul, uh, hear more of this subject. Then a few came and followed Paul and believe. Among them were Dionysius, <laughs> member of the Areopagus, and a woman named Damaris, a number of others. So, so there were people who believed, not many. But the Athenians, they were, they were apathetic towards the message. We talked about this last week. But some believe. So I encourage you as a church, first, what did we learn today? That we are to connect, con to be concerned with the loss, have a burden for them. Then we are to construct bridges, meaning go to where people are, connect, get to know them, talk to them, share your life with them, you know. Like what Paul did, he just go to the, went to the marketplace, met people. Then we need to convey the truth about God based on what they already know. Then once they, hear, once they listen to you, then begin to confront them with, their, with, the, with the false things that they believe. Little by little. So in, by, through, by, by being gentle. You don't want to be, you know... 
come across angry and, and shouting. It has to be done in gentle, with gentleness. Then once they understand what is right and what is wrong and what they believe, then begin to share the gospel. Introduce Jesus Christ to them. Amen. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the book of Acts that we are being reminded that, that we live in a world, of oh God, that is dying and, and headed for an eternity without you, Lord, without Jesus Christ, if the gospel is not being preached. Lord, I pray that you give us that burden, Lord. If we are unmoved by this message today, Lord, if we are, Lord, uh, indifferent, we don't think that this is relevant, Lord, Lord, change our heart. If we are unconcerned for lost people, oh God, maybe, Lord, we and I, we're, we, maybe, Lord, we are not really Christians, oh God. We are not believers. So, Lord, if we are not believers, oh God, who are here today and we're not true believers of Jesus Christ, Lord God, bring salvation to our hearts, Lord, because it is the will of God for all people to be saved. And if there's no concern for, people, for salvation in the lives of others, Lord, there's, there must be something wrong at the heart of who we are as believers. So we need to begin to, to, to consider if we are really followers of Jesus in our hearts. If Christianity, Christianity to us is probably just a, a, a culture or, or a religion, but not a personal loving relationship with Jesus Christ. So Lord, bring salvation to those who are still doubting whether they're saved, O oh God. If there's someone here who don't have Christ in his life, Lord, help him to see his need for Christ and to surrender his life for Jesus, to Jesus Christ. But Lord, if we are indeed true believers in Jesus Christ, Lord, grant us that burden for the lost because it is God's will for all men to be saved. And Lord, I know this is the desire of every true believer in Christ, for people to be saved. We may not be courageous to preach the gospel all the time. We, we may not be as courageous as Paul. But Lord, the desire is there. The longing is there. Just help us to be obedient, Lord. Help us to be obedient. 